0: Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole.
1: Five, four, three, two, one.
2: We have liftoff.
0: I consider today's podcast to be a privilege. You know, we're going to be reviewing hidden figures. And I think it's a privilege.
2: Hollister, I love that you opened with that. Yes, I feel exactly yeah, it the same a privilege. way. I'm so yep. excited to talk I about know, hidden figures. I know. But before we get to that, we have other things to talk about. Hollister, isn't excitement delayed, excitement denied? <laughs>
0: I know. I'm sorry. You're just gonna have to wait. Okay. But Homeland, I saw the first um, episode in the new season, which I think opens this week. It might have, you might already have seen it uh, by the time our podcast goes live this week, but I did watch it and I just want to say it's all about Quinn and that Quinn who knew he was a sleeper actor. You know, the guy just comes out of this and does one of the finest acting jobs I've seen on television. Really, really, really strong performance in the first episode.
2: Wow, fantastic. Which season is this, Hollister?
0: Uh, I think it's season six. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, it's oh, been God. hard for me. You know, losing Damien the way I did was very hard.
2: Yeah, but you got him back on billions.
0: I did. I did. But it's not the same Damien, you know. So for me, losing Damien was hard. But I, you know, I continued to hang in there. And I, it's never been as good since he left. But um, I'm looking forward to this season. So I just want to give a shout out around that. And then also, did you ever see, I don't know if you would have seen it, but, um, but Margaret Atwood wrote a book called The Handmaid's Tale. I
2: read that book. Okay, huge for my generation. Exactly, that was actually set on Harvard's campus.
0: Uh, Well, there you go. Exact. Yeah the the movie came out in 1990. um, You know, with Faye Dunaway and Natasha Richardson. And it was very risque for its time. But now Hulu is putting out a series around the book starring Elizabeth Moss, West Wing Zoe, as the protagonist, Alfred, who, you know, fights the New Order. And guess who else was just announced as being in it, too? Alexis Liddell.
2: Really, from Gilmore Girls yes. to Handmaid's Tale. Well, you know, Hollister, since this is a Lit Lover's podcast, I think Margaret Atwood is such a tremendous writer. Yes, yeah, she really I is. I don't know that she's ever created a character where I love the character. Huh. You
0: you were not a fan of O'Fred? I love O'Fred. Really? Yeah.
2: I find her books pretty spooky and dystopian. I think her books her, is creepy. Are you kidding? And when the when know, they, this is what I mean, like her use of language is tremendous, and her power over the written word yeah. is tremendous. But I never leave either feeling good or feeling like I want to befriend one of the characters.
0: But on the Handmaid's Tale, to me, the the tale of it was almost about the oppression of women's sexuality. I mean, in, in told in a different storyline. You know, it's sort of told from the future, which hopefully God will never happen but but I I felt like there was other underlying messages uh, just about you know sort of 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 women's sexuality but then when you put it to screen it's one thing to read it in a book and I read the book before I saw the 1990 movie but when you put it to screen it's really frightening to see on the screen it really is it was
2: very spooky reading it because it was set on my college campus Well, there you go. So whenever they talked about those executions, I could picture the pillars. The book totally weirded me out. Margaret Atwood, she came to Harvard to talk about the book, and there were so many people that came to see her that there was an overflow room. And it was very interesting because she said invariably if she walks through an overflow room, very few people look at her. They're all just looking at the screen. Isn't that amazing? It's the power of the screen.
0: Yeah, well, the screen is really something, isn't it?
2: Mm -hmm. It's like Teletubbies for adults.
0: It's not premiering until April 17th, so I guess I'm a little early to to party here. But I did want to put it out there that, you know... Alexis is uh is going to be in it and isn't that interesting and now we'll move to our um thanks to Melissa Cohn mortgage for our list of six this week which is gonna we decided to sort of parallel the movie you know we're going to be talking about and do movies from real life you know so based on real real experiences so do you want to kick us off
2: okay so these are our six favorite movies based on real events
0: yeah. By the okay. way, I have ten, so I, I and so I, I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw out three of them, but I want you to know I my favorite movie is always based you on got something me, real. You
2: know, since you so scolded me before, I really tried to keep my list to three. But then okay, I no, I, I'm little... only gonna
0: talk about three. But I want you to know I had at least ten to choose from. There's
2: so many. But then I yeah. also have a little list on the side of my guesses of what's on your list.
0: You're not. By the way, I will bet you a lot of De Niro that you're not going <laughs> to guess any of mine.
2: Robert De Niro.
0: No, you okay, wish. Well, yeah. We
2: will see. Okay. okay. So my first one, I had to start with What's Love Got to Do With It, the 1993 movie. What's love movie. got to do with
0: it, do with it. Oh what's love on so second
2: You kill me. Tina Turner, for me, is a god. She really is. I worship at her altar. Huh. I have always loved Angela Bassett. I thought her portrayal. You just of like it because she Turner moved to Sweden. So no, she moved to Switzerland. Well, she lived in Germany. You like her because she moved and to And she lived in Switzerland. And she's a Sagittarius. Well, good for her. Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne were both nominated for Oscars. He, of course, playing Ike. And Angela Bassett won the Golden Globe. That is absolutely
0: true, and I thought
2: it was well-deserved. Absolutely.
0: Okay, I'm going to start off with The Miracle Worker. You didn't have that on your list, did you? Yep. Patty Duke and Anne Bancroft, and I was a kid when I saw it. I don't know how old I was, but I, I just asked, could we stay and see it again? You know, first of all, the story, the way it's told, and Patty Duke's performance, I believe she won the Academy Award for it. And Anne Bancroft's performance, both of them, so, so, so made the movie what it was. But also I had just read a biography of her. I gave did a book report on her or something for school. And, you know, from, from a kid, you know, in the fifth or sixth grade, seeing that movie was certainly eye-opening. And it also was the first time I recognized that people sometimes have to overcome things to be able to even compete. And to see, you know... Helen Keller accomplished what she accomplished, and you get to see her beginnings uh, along that. I thought it was
2: one of the great movies of, wow. for sure. All right, my next one is Silkwood, starring oh, huh. younger versions, of course, of Meryl Streep, Kurt Russell. And share. I was going to say, I, I love
0: Cher in that. Did she win the award, or she was just up
2: for she it? She didn't. But do you remember when Cher did win for Moonstruck, and Meryl Streep just jumped out of her seat? She was so happy for Cher, huh. directed by Mike Nichols, and Nora Ephron was one of the two writers. Right. Of she the script. It, yeah,
0: and you know, without a lot of humor. So there was something. Yeah, that was her her one foray outside the, her genre, if you will.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The script was nominated for an Oscar. The film itself received five Oscar nominations. And it was about Karen Silkwood, an Oklahoma nuclear power plant worker who blew the whistle on some practices going on there at the plant. And um, on this fateful day in the 70s, she left to meet a New York Times reporter and she never arrived. So many think she was murdered.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's sort of odd when you don't arrive for that kind of a meeting, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yep. good choice. I like that choice, actually. Okay, I'm going to go with Psycho from 1960.
2: Oh, okay, that wasn't on my list either. Okay, see, I, I'm just... I, I didn't even I, know I, that was based on a real story. It is, I mean, actually. It was... It's
0: inspired by the crimes of the real-life serial killer, Ed. Gine, you know huh. me and serial killers. So just, uh, you know
2: now I that you say that. Yes, that does not surprise me at all. Okay, yeah, but
0: I so I went with Psycho. I just thought, you know what? I want to find some movies that are really sort of outside the platform of, you know, Mississippi Burning, which is always at the top of my hip parade. That kind of thing. I stuck that in, by the way. That <laughs> I'm not counting that as my choice. So, so I'm going with Psycho I, because I think it was so well acted, and I think it was. It it just really brought the terror of something like that to the screen, so I go with Psycho.
2: Wow. Okay. So for, for my last one, I put down another whistleblower one, huh. The Insider from nineteen ninety nine. Oh, that's interesting. I for looked at that. Seven yeah. Oscars. Russell Crowe. Yep. This is the one. It put him on the map, and it also starred Al Pacino and Christopher Plummer. So three eventual Oscar winners. And this one, of course, was about Big Tobacco and how this whistleblower was going to give an interview and did with Mike Wallace at 60 Minutes, even though he had signed a confidentiality agreement. Some of the real-life attorneys had cameos in the film. And the mansion portrayed actually belonged to one of the real life attorneys.
0: Huh. I like that choice for you. Yeah,
2: Russell Crowe in a gray wig.
0: But also, that wasn't Russell Crowe was well established by the time he did that.
2: No, not here. Oh. I mean, he was established in Australia. No, but by but then he this, had
0: already done. Um, don't oh my say god, Gladiator! He had done Gladiator. Nope. Really, it was before Gladiator. Yep. It wasn't before A Beautiful Mind.
2: Yep, which was 2001. So that's three strong years in a row. Also based on a real-life story. Yeah. This is my little bit of trivia about The Insider. The real-life whistleblower asked the filmmakers for two concessions. One was that they changed the names of his daughters, and the other is that he did not want smoking to be portrayed in the film at all. And the filmmaker said, yes, there are three brief instances in the film where you see a cigarette in the background. But for a movie about tobacco... I thought that was an interesting concession.
0: And good for him for caring, you know, not... Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I'm going to just do a little lead-in to my last one, okay? So it's October 1980, and the Australian author, um, Kennelly, do you you know who I'm talking about now, had stopped in this leather goods shop off a day of drive after a book tour stopover from a film festival in Sorrento, Italy, where one of his books was adapted into a movie. And when the owner of the store, Leopold Page, learned that he was a writer, he began telling him this greatest story of humanity man-to-man ever. The story was how Page, his wife, and thousands of other Jews were saved by a Nazi factory owner named Oscar Schindler during World War II. So I picked Schindler's List. I think it's one of the great, great movies. And interestingly enough, a couple things, Spielberg refused a salary for the movie. Instead, any money that did come into him, he put it in a Shoah Foundation, which would go to Holocaust survivors. So, so what do you think of that choice?
2: I thought it might be on your list. Yeah, but it is. here are the three that I thought might also be on your list. Okay. And of course, I was wrong on all three Judgment at Nuremberg. Yeah, I thought about it. A League of Their Own. Yeah, no. Nah. And The Big Short. Yeah, uh, no. you loved the big show i did i mean i mean
0: i loved it as a movie we reviewed but i certainly don't put it at the top of the list of you know important films but also i'm gonna leave you with one last thing on schindler's list guess who um guess who tried out for the part two people who tried out for the part and didn't get it spielberg didn't want a hollywood name but two big hollywood names tried out for the part tom hanks no, but that's such a good choice. Um, Kevin <laughs> Costner and Mel Gibson.
2: And Kevin Costner's on our film this week.
0: I know. That's what I thought was so cool about it. So anyway, I thought that was, was a fun thing to do this week. Would love to hear what yours are. Can we, let's move into our film of the week, Hidden Figures.
3: You're a computer at NASA. They let women handle that sort of thing? Yes. And it's not because we wear skirts. It's because we wear glasses. Yes, we can. You know what we're doing here? Trying to put a man into space. Sir. I need to be in that room hearing what
1: you hear. Make some rules. You are the boss. You just have to act like one.
0: Mm-hmm. I began crying from the opening scene, and I didn't stop till the end. I sh- actually didn't even stop at the end. I kept crying. I stayed for all the credits so I could pull myself together or tried to.
2: <laughs> there were definitely scenes where I cried, but there were scenes where I laughed. I loved this movie. I thought it was yeah. a love letter to the brain. <laughs> it was filled with hope and it was everything I want in a movie. It had, you know, it was smart. It was about friendship and family and romance and democracy and... Racism. You know, <laughs> equal rights. And yes, but in a very hopeful way. Well, you, you know, know what it's I mean? interesting
0: because I've never seen Jim Crow... Presented in quite that fashion before with, again, humor, realism, and right in the center of a federal institution, you know. And what was so wonderful about this film is that really, from my perspective, it shows that patriotism does rise above racism and that we can do that as a nation and as people in a nation. And I think it's a really important film for right now in our country's moment in time.
2: And of course, it's based on the New York Times bestselling book by Margot Lee Shetterly, which just came out in May of 2016. Which of course
0: enters into our this is our lit lovers' choice for the month.
2: Yes, and such a good one. Margot Lee Shetterly's mantra is research, write, repeat. I love that. She is a Hampton Roads native. So her father worked for NASA and her mother was an English professor. So who better to tell this story than Margot Lee Shetterly? The thing about hidden figures
1: is that these these women, you know, they were hidden in my backyard almost literally all this, all this time. Uh, my dad is a research scientist. He's retired now. He worked at NASA. And he knew these women because he worked with them. I knew these women because he worked with them. You know, I'd see them in the grocery store, you know, whatever it is around town. Um, but, you know, the fact is it took us all of this time. It took me all of this time you know, who grew up seeing these women and and knowing something of, you know, what they did, um, to really appreciate fully um, and to say, uh, not only is this a story that that we should kind of know in Hampton, Virginia, which is, you know, where the story takes place and where I grew up, um, but this is a story that all of us need to know because this is American history. You know, this is all of our history. Um, These women and their legacy, we see it in, in John Glenn's successful flight you know we we see it in you know the computers that we have and take for granted today, um, but you know, I think it's about time that that we recognize what they have given to all of us and to our country.
2: I just loved this quote. She said, "As a callow eighteen year old leaving for college, I'd seen my hometown as a mere launching pad for a life in worldlier locales, <laughs> yeah. a place to be from rather than a place." To be. So, in her introduction to the book, she said she goes back home. That introduction, and,
0: by the way, was as good as the book. I loved it.
2: Oh my goodness. It was so, the story is so well told. And what's so interesting is I think the movie made a great choice in terms of just telling the story of three women because you can't tell all the stories. But I was just stunned reading the book that she said if she had time to do even more research, and her research is ongoing, she would have uncovered perhaps 20 more African-American women who worked for NASA. And in her book, she documents a lot more than the movie. Well,
0: interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. NASA hired, you know, here, here's what's funny. I mean, I had to take a moment to recognize that, you know, I was in elementary school when all these things were happening. And, like, when they when they circled the Earth, um, we watched it, they brought TVs into the schools. We wa- everybody watched it. And it's funny, when I look back on that young woman, that girl, I was a girl then, sitting in the classroom, there wasn't a girl to be seen anywhere around this phenomenal event that was taking place you know, all the commentation on the on the screen was all male. The men were astronauts. All the men you saw talking about it and when they showed pictures of, of NASA, you didn't see a, a woman anywhere. It just wasn't anything that we could even think to aspire to, let alone participate in. And the fact that mm-hmm. actually there was strong participation, I thought how sad it was in a way that that girl that I was sitting in that classroom didn't get to see that there were women working on it, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You know, this is a bad analogy, but last week was the first annual National Screenwriters' Day, and the whole purpose behind this new holiday is to try to elevate the role of the screenwriter in Hollywood. You know, when you look at theater, everyone knows the name of the playwright, but they said in Hollywood it's all been hijacked, so now people think the director is the author of the movie. And whenever they go on the talk show circuit, Usually, you see the stars. You might see the director, and you might see the producer, depending on how famous they are. And nobody ever really invites the screenwriters. Well,
0: interestingly enough, um, Hens P. Henson, when she met with um, with Miss Johnson, uh, you know, to to Who's obviously
2: still alive at the age of 98. I know, right?
0: So, in their course of their conversation, Taraji learned that the mathematical genius had graduated from high school at 14 and college at 18 and was still as lucid as anyone her her junior in her 90s. So after the film was pre-screened for Johnson, she was the first one to see it she expressed That's appropriate yeah she it is she expressed her genuine approval of um Taraje's portrayal of her but was forever confused as to why anybody would wish to make a movie about her life in the first place which is exactly how really really special people live they don't think about the enormity of their life they just live it but what's mm-hmm. really amazing is um is Taraji P. Henson. Why is she not up for a Golden Globe for this role? This is an outrage. I mean, there should be a petition. The way she pushes her, her glasses up on her nose, her humor, that smile that comes from
2: nowhere that lights up the stage. You know, Hollister, Taraji P. Henson gave an interview and I had to laugh so hard. She said she actually failed math. In college. And yet on screen, she is so convincing. 544 miles per hour of 46.56 degrees. In fact, Joe Morgenstern at the Wall Street Journal, he said watching hidden figures was like watching a beautiful mind, but without the mental illness. (laughs) In any event, here's Taraji P. Henson in her own words. I thought this was so interesting.
3: Her passion for math is the passion I have for acting, and that's how I had to equate it. I'm spiritual when it comes to acting. I really believe it's a spiritual thing we do. And I I believe the universe will order up certain, certain stories when the world needs it, when the people need it. Well, I think that's the overall message of this story. Um, when we put our differences aside as humans, that's when we're able to move the human race forward. Because at the end of the day, we're all humans. <laughs> You know, a mind doesn't have a color. W-
0: w- why was she not nominated?
2: I don't know. <laughs> the SAG Awards, they also have a great award for an ensemble. And, you know, I think Hidden Figures definitely deserves it because every actor in this movie I thought was so strong. Well, they
0: were all good, but she certainly was this. She certainly deserved to be nominated. When you look at who's been nominated in the Golden Globes, you know, I don't know. She's a very outspoken actor. And when I watched some videos of her, I wanted to see how she plays. And her acceptance speech, she won for um, The Empire last year for the Golden Globes first series. And you could tell the audience was not enamored by her speech, which went on too long. I will give you that. Um, but but here's the thing it's one of those times where you just say, that is a performance. Just her running alone was brilliant, you know, and to the backdrop of Farrell Williams. Music. Yes,
2: who was a producer on the movie.
0: That music, the name of that song that he wrote for it's called Running.
2: I know they sing, call for you all. adaptation that movies are supposed to move. The amount of time you see people running across this campus, which really happened. I think the three main actresses, so Taraji P. Henson, Octavia Spencer, and Janelle Monet, their rapport with one another was just fabulous. Like
0: Octavia Spencer breaks out in song, and I am telling you, she sings that song on on set, apparently, all the time, and so did um, Taraji Henson, although Janelle was apparently very serious and sort of really hung into her role when she was on screen.
2: You know what's so funny about that, Hollister, is of the three of them, Janelle Minet has six Grammy nominations, so she was probably focused on her acting. You know, she
0: said that, but, um, but I think they had a great time.
2: I think they had a great time. Do you have a favorite line? I'll tell you my three favorite scenes that made me cry. One was when Taraji P. Henson comes back from running, you know, the miles to get to the colored ladies restroom. And Kevin Costner playing her boss is just, you know, looking at her empty desk and says, "Where do you go all this time?" Thinking she's a spy, by the way. That scene was hilarious. Are you a Russian spy? I'm I'm not Russian. I mean, hilarious just beautiful moments of humor, but when he says, "Why aren't you at your desk?" and she finally loses it.
0: Yeah, that scene was the ugly cry for me. I mean, I cried through the whole thing, but that was when I doing the ugly cry, but I was also so proud of her in that moment that I'm going to cry right now. And, it was uh, a you know, beautiful uh, yeah. scene.
2: Okay, so other another happy scene for you? Okay, when Kevin Costner just starts smashing down the colored ladies yeah. yeah. restroom yeah. sign.
1: We all get there together, we don't get there at all.
2: The scene where Janelle Monáe, playing Mary Jackson, petitions the court. And she
0: does it so brilliantly. Oh, my God. Yeah.
2: And the proposal scene, the real life romance, I think is fabulous. Okay,
0: you're giving it all away. You can't tell this many things. Yeah, but, you know, when Katherine Johnson says, how can you possibly be oogling these white men?
1: That's John Glenn. What do you guys do for NASA?
0: Calculate your and landing site. How could you be
3: oogling these white men?
0: It's equal rights. I have the right to see fine in every color. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant. Um, the The thing about this movie, though, is it did bring out anger in me about white men. <laughs> and I didn't even know I had it. But when you watch a movie like that, and every single... You know, from it, from the start where you've got a, you know, a racist cop and then you go into NASA where these men would rather not have the right math than have it be presented by a woman, you know. And what was interesting is I I, I listened to a, an interview with Chris Matthews with the entire team and it turns out that John Glenn, which we didn't know was happening and Matthews was like, we should have known this. He was a good guy in the movie, right, Octavia?
1: He was a good guy, period. I mean, but I learned something uh, about him that I didn't know, and it made him that much more of an American hero to me because he did something that was unpopular at the time. He put his life in the hands of this African-American woman. If her numbers didn't match up, he wasn't going to go. If her numbers matched up, of course he went. He wanted to know where he's going to land. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. absolutely. <laughs> That's key information.
1: Finally,
0: there was a, a man in this movie that I could say thank you. You know, well done. Well, you he, know, he handled himself so well, for sure.
2: Again, you realize so much is at stake. Yeah. I mean, the geopolitical world order is at stake. You know, in the book, they said that Sputnik was a technological Pearl Harbor. And I thought that was a great turn of phrase. That's what I love is the democratization outcome of World War II, and things like this where achievement has to be colorblind and genderblind if you really need the best work.
3: What's so, so inspiring about this film and these women is that they did not allow those obstacles to deter them and stop them from their dreams. Uh, yes, you know, we were dealing with with racism, we were dealing with sexism, we were dealing with classism, but the great thing about um, when NASA and all the men and women put all those isms uh, to bed and bury them all, that's when they achieve the extraordinary, together. Together will
0: no more running. When uh, movies are made based on fact or based on real life incidents, it's very rare that you bring culture and politics together in one of those movies. And I think that's one of the things that makes this so except, exceptional is that it really brings the politics of the time together with the culture of the time. And it shows the culture of these families and how they lived and her mother helping her so she could raise these three children. And, you know, I mean the culture combined with the politics, I think is one of the things that makes makes this so exceptional. It's really, really Exceptional. You
2: know, and the book too, Marguerite Shetterly, she calls these women, these exceptional women. I mean, they're like superheroes oh, in many are, ways. Yeah. She calls them aeronautical foot soldiers. And I love that expression because, of course, you know, foot soldiers from the Civil Rights Movement, but aeronautical foot soldiers. And to me, that was so interesting in the book that most people working at NASA in that time period had never been on an airplane. And yet here they are calculating these flight trajectories and launch windows and, you know, it's an, um, it's an amazing, amazing thing because a couple of weeks ago when we reviewed Manchester by the Sea and I said to me it was like a sledgehammer to my brain because it left me with no hope, this movie made me want to stand up and cheer. I think everyone needs
0: to see this movie. It's such an important film for right now in our time. But also, how did you feel about Jim Parsons?
2: I've never seen Big Bang Theory, uh, I, which so I keep assuming, telling you
0: is a good show, you know. And
2: I'm assuming it's a very different part from his Big
0: Bang it Theory is, right? Well, no, you know, he's still the nerd. And like the the opening scene when you first see Jim, his pants are up to his neck. And it's just so funny because that's so nerdy for the time.
2: But Yeah, he still. So plays maybe him. the casting director thought, okay, we need to go-to yeah, nerd. exactly. You know, but I didn't like his character, mm. and because I didn't like his character, I couldn't tell if I wasn't liking his performance. You know, I
0: wanted them to wrap up his character, and I feel as if that was a, that was a weakness in the screen in the screenplay. In the end, was he her friend or not? And we never well, really he does know. Bring her
2: that cup of coffee.
0: Well, he brought her the cup of she coffee, still has which to was type a sign of respect. Report, yeah, there was a sign of respect, and I guess that was them trying to wrap it up. And I'd actually forgotten that, so you're right. I was probably running out of Kleenex and continuing to sob. <laughs> so there is no protocol for women attending. There's no protocol for men circling the earth either, sir.
2: When they called them computers, at first I thought, with my 2017 brain, oh, it's like the Apple bar where everyone's a genius. And then I realized, oh, it's because women had to compute and they weren't allowed to be engineers.
3: Let me ask you. If you were a white male, would you
0: wish to be an engineer?
3: I wouldn't have to. I'd already be one.
0: But I, but I did. I felt like I needed a little more of his history. And a li- I needed a little more, I thought he acted it very well. I thought he did a really, you know, you know, adequate job. But I, I felt like the character wasn't developed as well as the other characters were, you know. Um,
2: you know, that was okay with me because I didn't really think the focus yeah, of the story no, was I on know, him. But, well, because know? it was
0: him, I wanted to know more maybe. I don't know.
2: You know, someone who always surprises me is
0: Kevin Costner. I love Kevin. I told my fa- the bodyguard, Kevin Costner. He's my guy.
2: And here he is back with his JFK glasses yeah. and, you know, No Way Out. I loved that movie. And then I guess it was around the time of Robin Hood where I started thinking, OK, maybe if Kevin Costner doesn't do a British accent wearing Robin Hood tights, I've enjoyed him in a lot of movies. How in the hell did we find ourselves in second place in a two-man race? I refuse to believe that the Russians are smarter than us. I find the genius among those geniuses.
0: And how about Kirsten Dunst? Did you think she did? I, I thought she was
2: good. She Again, was very it's not, good. Yeah. you know, her character's not like a lot of Is she she's ever going to not be the good. mean
0: girl? I mean, no offense. <laughs> this girl never gets to be the happy one. She always has that look on her face like, you know, I'm the mean girl and I'm not going to invite you to sit with me at lunch. And, See, you know, she in she the Julia Roberts, Winette, she lost her head. Remember the Julia Roberts movie where she was a teacher at Radcliffe or um, at Wellesley? Yeah. Same role, same person, you know, just a little more grown up, you know. So But
2: you know what though? She does that she does it look really very well, well she of does. being from the fifties or sixties. She she has one of those period looks.
0: But my wish for her is that her next film she gets to be one of the nice people. Okay. <laughs> I just want you to put that out there somewhere. Okay. Guess where it was filmed? Well, I saw they they thanked the Department of Defense. But guess where it was filmed? Virginia. It was filmed in East Point, Georgia, which is actually where Catherine lives now. Isn't that cool?
2: Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow, you know, I love the fact that she received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and last year NASA named a building in her honor. Yes, how cool is that? I, mean, I
0: I thought um, I thought Obama's presentation of her Medal of Freedom was was excellent, but I thought the movie told her story ten times better. Uh, you know, I saw her get the award before I really knew she was this person in this in this movie, and it's like, wait, I didn't really get it what Obama was giving it. I didn't, you didn't really make this clear, you know, what her <laughs> (laughs) role was or what have you.
2: It's a wonderful movie adaptation because the book is so full of facts and research and context. It totally appeals to your brain thinking this is an amazing story, but this movie totally appealed to my heart. You know, it was like putting the book to music and yet it kept the key facts. So, you know, where it was important, it didn't stray from reality.
0: Okay. And then I thought you should know that, you know, some of the control room settings, you know, the, the, um, the Mercury mission control set, they were from the Hunger Games. They recycled. Really? Them. Yes, they recycled the Hunger Games Part 1 and the Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. They, brought, they recycled. So that saved money. You know, that was a good thing, right?
2: Do you remember in the book when they said Mary Jackson, the engineer, she turned out suffering a loss of hearing? Because when you think about some of these machines they were working on and the simulations and how loud they were, I mean, it's so easy to forget in 2017 what an IBM computer looked like. <laughs> In 1962. By the way, what? In you know?
0: 1962, are you kidding? In 1981, they still were the size of a room. <sighs> they still were huge. You know, they didn't, you know. Speaking yeah. of
2: huge, you know who's having a huge year? Mahershala Ali, who played Remy on House of Cards, and he's nominated for Moonlight, and he plays Colonel Jim Johnson in Hidden yeah, Figures. He's very good. And Janelle Monet, she was in Moonlight as well. Yeah. So they're both having a tremendous year. Well,
0: you know what? This is a gift to to, to our country, this movie. I hope that every single person I know sees it.
2: other parts that I really really liked in the book Catherine Johnson said of Dorothy Vaughn she had brains coming out her ears <laughs> I'm thinking when Katherine Johnson has said that know, right? that has got to be one exceptional yeah. person because yeah. the movie I thought the very opening scene did a tremendous job of introducing us to these characters where Octavia Spencer playing Dorothy Vaughn is underneath the car figuring out how to fix it I was like okay visually we already know she's got the mind of an engineer
0: the least
3: I can do is give you all an escort
2: Three Negro women are chasing a white police officer down
3: the highway in 1961. That is a God ordained miracle.
2: Great opening scene for setting yeah. the tone of the movie.
0: Well, you know, and what was great about that also, again, was um, patriotism rising above racism. It was a really moment. It was a great moment.
2: Another thing the movie did very well is for this theme of equal rights. I thought that was even echoed in how the parents treated their own kids. Yeah, no, it's good. The whole thing was good. Another thing I learned in the book I did not know, that bit where they talked about how Martin Luther King was a Trekkie. I had no idea. (laughs) Mary Jackson in the book, when she helps her son out in the soapbox derby, And he wins the race, and then they interview him, and he says, you know, when I grow up, I want to be an engineer like my mom, (laughs) describing Katherine Johnson running her simulations on the day of the launch. And she said, like John Glenn, Katherine Johnson was not prone to panic. These women, such amazing figures in our American history. They were, yep. And here's Margot Lee Shutterly in her own words.
1: Part of the thing that's so fascinating about this story is this duality between um, being on the inside of one of the most exclusive groups in the world and still being you know left outside by the law and by society. They really represent some of the most beautiful ideals of our country and um, you know I, I never ever get tired of talking about these women or um, you know just even continuing to learn things about these women in this story. So it's just a spectacular American story.
0: You go, Margot. Love it. Yeah.
2: Amazing, right?
0: Um, Yes. And uh, how lucky that she's got, you know, she got to meet these people. And it reminded me of when you and I interviewed, do you remember who I'm going to say now?
2: Yes, Reggie,
0: yep. the code breaker. Yep. Code breaker. know, mm-hmm. here she was, World War II, breaking the Japanese code um, in Washington <laughs> and, and sort of talking about it the same way that, that Ms. Johnson was talking about it, sort of like, well, that's just what we did, you know. They had me do some puzzles, and I guess I was good at puzzles, you know, like...
2: Hello. I loved that when we met her, she opened the door and she was doing the New York Times crossword puzzle. Of course puzzle. she was, because she could. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. exactly. But you know, it there is are some such... great women. Great women, you know. Okay, Hollister, I wanted to play here a clip of Taraji P Henson. I just loved what she had to say in terms of opportunities in Hollywood.
3: I mean, it's hard. It's always hard. You know what I mean? I have white friends, blonde hair, blue eyes, who ain't worked in five years. So to single out and say, I mean, you know, have we seen enough representation of African-American stories? No. But has Hollywood been horrible to me? No. Mm
2: -hmm. I've worked. It kind of goes to the point of how at any given moment, 95 percent of all actors are unemployed.
0: Well, I wanted to end with, you know how I'm just a stickler about names, right? Titles Mm -hmm. for movies. Okay, hidden figures is so perfect because of the double entendre about hidden figures yeah. in our history, and then also the 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 mathematical figures hidden in the obvious, you know, and how they went back to old math to pull it out to get to the new math.
1: So the hidden figures refers to the women and the work. And it also, I found out later, it actually happens to refer to uh, it's the name of an aptitude test for military pilots. Mm.
0: Finally a title I can celebrate. It's the first time I'm able to sing about a title. It just I can't say it enough. Hidden figures, love the title. Yay, you Yay. guys.
2: You know, Halster, I wanted to end with a quote. I wrote it down in my journal. You inspired me because you're always writing things in your journal. I do. So I got one quote down. Well, I, no, you wait, wait wait, wait,
0: wait, whoa, whoa. You write a journal like I tell you
2: every day. Okay, I don't write a journal like you write a journal. Okay, but okay, at least yeah, you write every one. Day. Okay, go. Well, okay, maybe journal is overstated. Maybe I wrote down a quote that I really liked. Okay. Okay. Aware of the stories you read or tell subtly at night beneath the waters of consciousness, they are altering your world. (laughs) And that's by Ben Okri, a poet and novelist. And Hidden Figures turns this on its head. It is such a wonderful story, so beautifully told. It altered my consciousness in such a good I way, know,
0: right? And just just when we needed it most. I'm so excited. hope it wins. I hope it wins so many things. They
2: really did touch the stars. They reached for the skies, and we're all the better for it.
0: What a movie, huh?
2: Loved it.